0: address it up front put it up front have you have your story and as i as when i met you i told you i i have it written out it's sitting on the desktop of my computer and i read it i read it because this way i know that i've given everybody the whole story Mm -hmm. and that's what's important
1: Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of the Inventive Journey. Um, I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's also the uh, patent and trademark attorney and founder of Miller IP Law. I'm here to tell the the journeys, or at least uh, hear the journeys of a lot of uh, great uh, inventors, startups, small businesses, and everything in between. Um, And today we have a guest on that I'm I'm sure won't disappoint on all of that. Uh, His name is uh, Nuri, and... uh, has a great uh, interesting story the, uh, the short of it is is that right now he's working on a, a text message and uh, I'll let him explain it better than I would but a text message company that you can then uh, make sure to keep all of your records make sure to or to, to track all of that and with the, with the uh, advantage and I'll let him get into that backing up to his story, he uh, had some startups in the 90, or in the 90s that he worked on. And uh, had a brief run in with the FBI, and he'll dive into that a little bit more. And now he's up to today and working on a great startup and a great business. So welcome to the podcast, Neary.
0: Hey, Devin. How are you today?
1: (laughs) I'm doing great as always. So maybe I I gave a brief introduction, but you will do a much better job than I ever would. So maybe I'll turn it over to you. Maybe give people a bit of your uh, background and your journey and introduction, and we'll pick it up from there.
0: Sure, sure. So uh, I've I've been the founder of multiple startups, had a couple of decent exits that I don't really like to talk about the past, but they've been every one of them has been a learning experience. Uh, but the most interesting part to me is, is that usually you usually learn more from the bad parts of your life than you do from the good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as as they say, it's now you never lose, you just learn.
2: Mm -hmm. And that
0: applies to everything that I've done right now. We're doing a company called tech smarter. We're about 15 people. Uh, We've been a distributed team since we started the company and we're up and down the state of California. We're in Oklahoma, we're in New York, we're in London, we're in Colorado Mm -hmm. and probably some places that I'm forgetting about. But uh, at the, uh, at the end of a day on a Wednesday, I guess that's going to be forgiven. Uh, What we've built is a compliance service, and what it does is it addresses regulatory additions that uh, agencies such as the FDIC and the SEC, and there's a whole bunch of two, three, four, and five-letter acronym agencies that I could drop on you, but you guys will get the point. And the way that a stockbroker, say a Merrill Lynch or or a a Morgan Stanley, the way that they backed up. and and recorded phone calls for 30 years. And the way that they backed up emails for 30 years, they've now taken those regulations and expanded them dramatically. There's now a responsibility of all of those organizations, basically every high compliance organization that's out there. This includes doctors and hospitals and nurses as well. They have to record all of their communications if they post on Facebook, if they send a text message, Mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, if they, if they send a message on Facebook messenger, basically there are about 80 different platforms that this covers mm-hmm. and we don't cover them all yet, but they all, they will be, uh, they will all be covered eventually. The difference between us and everybody else is we took a service, <clears throat> excuse me, and we, we built something differently. I'm not mm-hmm. going to tell you we built it better but what we did was we approached the problem in a different way, and the result is is that there are not. <clears throat> excuse me, I have a frog. I can't get rid of. My apologies. <laughs> um, all right. uh, it we we've solved the problem that we call that's called leakage, and the competitors that we that are in our space, what they do is they require a secondary phone number to be used on the phone and communications go through a private server. The Hmm. problem is, is that if I have the secondary phone number on my phone and I communicate with somebody that way, but then I send a message on my primary phone, that, that information is never recorded. That's called leakage. Mm-hmm. We don't have to address that because we're able to access real time information on an iOS device and an Android device. If you're sending a message from your Apple MacBook Pro, if you're sending a message from the desktop of your Dell computer, if you're sending it from your iPad, et cetera, we cover it all. And it's done in a real time basis, it's fully encrypted. And so under no circumstances can anybody in an organization see the data unless they have the keys to unencrypt it. And if they do, it requires multiple permissions to get it to a point where something can be made anything but opaque.
1: No, I, I think that's a great explanation as to you know how you guys approach it differently and why you do it differently. So I am going to back up because we, we jumped to the end of the story and I'm all about the inventive journey. So you don't want to dwell too on the past and I'll, I'll let you tell your story how you'd like to, but jumping back. So what, you know, you got to now where you're kind of tech smarter, you're, and, and that's the, the surface and the company you're working on now backing up. How did you, you know, what's the pre-story or how did you get into that? And why did you get into that? And why does that matter to you? Cause that, you know, as you mentioned, it's always kind of all about the journey, right? And you learn as much from your failures. I, I I completely agree with you. Most of the time, I you know, successes you almost take for granted in the sense, not that you don't aren't appreciative of the success, but oftentimes you don't realize. You don't learn the lessons along the way, meaning you're doing so many things, things are growing, going well, that you just kind of take it for granted in the sense you don't sit back and think, okay, how did I get here or why am I here versus the failures are the ones that make you almost be more introspective or retrospective. So maybe for the audience, back up and say kind of how you got here and what was the the journey that took you to here?
0: So at the end of 2012, I began looking into my next business Hmm. and I started looking into messaging. Because it was obvious to me watching my son's monthly text message numbers go up exponentially Mm. to a point where one month I figured it out he was sending something like 70 texts a minute. Uh, And I sat back and I'm like, if this trend continues, it's obvious that there's going to be needs. Mm. Well, at at about the same time that this happened, uh, in December of 2012, very early one morning, uh, the FBI raided my home. They didn't do anything wrong. They, were, they did their job. Mm. Um, they sent 30 people. They had nickel-plated weapons. Um, I have never had an unpar- unpaid parking ticket. So, you know, but I get it, what they had to do. It's, it's, mm. it's not a safe job. I respect what they did, and everybody that was there was a professional, and they did their job. Mm. It started the most difficult area of my life. The thing was, was that there was this really interesting simile in the area that I had headed towards with regards to text messaging, because I was, I was indicted by, by the Justice Department on a federal wire fraud charge. I pled guilty to one charge after fighting it for three and a half years, simply realizing that I couldn't win. The United States government, the Justice Department wins 90 X percent of the cases they bring forward. And if you fight it, the penalization phase is significantly worse than if you cut a deal. Mm. And this is how it works. This is our country. And I, I'm I'm happy to be here. All of that being said, I fought it for three and a half years. I spent a tremendous amount of time and money fighting it Come mm. to come to the realization that I couldn't win. Now, how TechSmartre became a part of this was – that I realized that if I had had certain communications with other people, that I would have had what I needed to exonerate myself
2: hmm.
0: and not having that ability in in the in this time frame, shortly as the uh, as two thousand and twelve ended, I changed from an Android phone to an iPhone, and I lost all my text messages.
2: Hmm. Not that
0: I was keeping them anyway. however, if TechSmarter had existed. I would have had what I needed to avoid seven years of trouble. But the the, the experience, it was probably the most transformational experience of my life. Uh, I was incarcerated for 16 months and 10 days. I read 435 books in that period of time. Uh, that's a lot last- of
1: books, by the way. That, congratulations. That's more books than I probably, and I love reading books. And you beat me by, probably by far. So not to interject, but that's a, that's a, a, a big pile of books.
0: Well, look, you, you, you're up at six o'clock in the morning. You're up until 11 o'clock at night. I'm not a big TV guy. Mm. Uh, te- television has never been a big part of my life with the exception of live sports. Mm. I'm a Bay area sports fan, Giants, 49ers, sharks and, and warriors. Mm. And in where I was in central California, they showed more LA things than mm. they did Bay Area sports. So, I filled the time. I I wrote down. I I did. Re- I did a, I did a, a journal daily, uh, and I read a great deal. I reread some classics. I read things I had not read through college. Uh, one of my friends sent me new books every month, hmm. uh, and that was how I made the time go by. And it, it taught me. It it taught me. I actually there's a book that is is hugely important to me, which I never knew existed before. Uh, called the Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, hmm. and I now live the Four Agreements every moment of my life. I know
1: so, you just answered the question I was going to add by side or by my, my tangent, which was which it was uh, of all those you say 435. How many was it?
0: 435 books.
1: 435. Which one was your favorite? So was it the Four Agreements, or what was your favorite out of all of those books that you've read?
0: The Four Agreements affected me the most. Hmm. And interestingly, I, I was introduced to it by one of the guards there who was teaching a class. Her name was Miss Hopkins. And the day that I, day before I left, I went to her to thank her. And you know, she, I wasn't the normal, the normal inmate going home the next day. I, I told her, I said, "You you have affected my life for the rest of my life." And she was surprised. I, I it was just the look on her face and everything else. She was surprised. Um, but, uh, so that, that book affected me. My favorite book that I read during that period of time was by Angela Duckworth. It's called grit and it teaches you how to be tough. It teaches you how to raise children in the right way. I didn't know what it was about when I got it. And I read about it in the wall street journal and I asked my friend to send it to me. And I recommend that book and the four agreements to many people. Once we, bring the subject up of talking about books. But go back to what we were talking about. Yeah, Back uh,
1: from that tangent, bringing it back on the topic, but go ahead. So
0: I spent 16 months in federal prison in a camp. I self-reported. All those things are important because it's the same type of place. that It's actually the same place Michael Milken was. It's the Mm -hmm. same type of place that Martha Stewart was. But on the flip side, I was woefully unprepared for everything that I went, that I experienced during that period of time. You can't be ready for it. You're dealing with a, a, a group of people that's completely transient. Mm-hmm. People come and go daily almost. And mm-hmm. you see things that you can't believe that you saw, and you hear things you can't believe that you heard. And there are times where things happen that you shake your head at, and you go, how does this exist in in 2016 or 2017? And but it does. It's a whole yep. different world. Um, the so I went through my time uh, about a month actually literally the end of August of seventeen so less than four weeks before I was scheduled to go home
2: mm. uh,
0: I got diagnosed with uh, pneumonia after they took me to the hospital mm. and I spent nearly three weeks in the hospital a significant amount of that period of that time in intensive care uh, and so I'm you know the BOP took care of me. You know, I understand there's a lot of things that are negative about them, but they take great care of me and the people that I, that I'm aware of and they do their job and they're professionals and that's all there is to it. So, you know, it's not an easy job. They deal with a whole bunch of different people with a whole bunch of different motivations and a whole bunch of different ways of being raised. So, um, but it, it now has taught me patience it's taught me how to listen. One of the things that, that I believe I do better than most people is, is listen. And, and, it's, and I don't listen to give a response. I listen to hear what the person is saying. And there's yes. a huge difference.
1: No, and, I, and I'd i say most people are guilty on when, they, when they're when they talking with someone, they're thinking about the next thing they're going to say or the next, you know, it's always a much more of a me-centered conversation of, okay, they're talking, but I'm going to prepare the next thing that I want to talk about. Next thing. And you never, half the time, you miss half of what the other person's saying because you're not really listening. So I completely agree. So if I were to take that, and I, I think it's a, an interesting backstory. So, you you know, you, you had your startups before this, you're working in 2012, things, you know, you got raided bought it as long as you could spend as much money as it made sense and decided that your, your best course of, of bad options was to go to to um you know to settle self-report go for or, or do that for a period of time and then you you know get to the end of the 16 months and you're coming out and you're saying okay now what i'm gonna, I'm gonna do with my life i imagine that that's got to be you know and, and for other people you know it's coming out whether you know, coming out of prison and that, whether it's good, bad, whether they did something, whether they were innocent, whether or not they, you know, whatever the case is, if you're coming out, you're now saying, what do I do with my life? How do I put, you know, pick up the pieces, go back together? How do I move on? So how did you kind of make that transition of, okay, now I'm going to go back to what I'm doing or I'm going to do something different or, you know, how was that transition for How did you decide what was the next phase of your life?
0: It actually took me a long time. When I got out, I was still very ill. And I spent months, Virtually bedridden, I was. I was a very ill person. I have permanent lung damage, and I my breathing is limited to this day. Now, nearly mm-hmm. years later. Um, that being said, uh, I tried to get jobs. I applied for over eleven hundred jobs, jobs that I was qualified for, jobs that were significantly below the income that I had earned, and the types of the types of customers that I had done business with Mm. yet. I wanted to go to, I wanted to stay in the startup game, but when you come out and you're a convicted felon and your brother and other people tell you, you'll never raise money. Mm. Listen, right. Going to prison shakes your, shakes your self-confidence to the core. And you know, so many people told me that I'd never do it. And uh, I'm I'm stubborn like a mule, but when somebody tells me that I won't do something,
2: mm-hmm. I
0: I want to do it just to prove them wrong and to show myself that I can do what people think I cannot do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I, but I tried, Devin. I tried and I tried. I had hundreds of interviews, and at various stages they got to the point and. Part of part of my probation is that I had to disclose this to everybody, which is what I did with you the very first time we spoke. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And it's something that I disclosed to everybody. It's uh, it's 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 necessary, and for the reasons why I told you, which is that if I if I tell you, it's not that you're hearing my side of the story; it's that I have the integrity to tell you, and that's what's important, right? Any everybody has baggage, but the question is, how do you handle it? Do you carry it like it like it's a a, a big lug or, or you know a big weight? Or do you carry it with grace and say, okay, this is what happened to me. But you know what? Things happen to everybody. Maybe yeah. you didn't go to prison, but I can assure you, most people have a story that they don't want people to know about.
2: Yeah.
1: But
0: regardless, whether they do or they don't.
1: Yeah. And so, it's kind of the story. Now we'll go back to the books. It's almost the story of the Scarlet A, right? You can either, everybody has theirs, whether or not you can see what there are, you can either wear the Scarlet A around with the, uh, you know, you are uh, being ashamed of it, or you can say, this is part of my life as part of my journey and I'm going to be, use it as a way to build it and become better and, and overcome type of thing. So I like that analogy. I think that it certainly makes sense. So you, so you did your, so you applied to your 1100 jobs. And you said, okay, at some point or another, they all got to the point where they were saying, you know, pass or no thank you. And no matter what you did, you couldn't find it. So you're left with that. And I assume that it, that's probably not atypical. I'm sure it is hard to come out of the prison system. And people look at you good, bad, or indifferent differently than when you went in, right? And so then that you have kind of that. So how did you, with, after applying for 1,100 jobs, you said, oh, it took you a while. How did you kind of come out of that or decide, okay, now I'm going to do this?
0: I... through the, through the good heartedness of friends and and advisors, I talked these things through. I talked Mm -hmm. about my frustrations. I talked about my challenges. Um, I had, uh, people who were interested in me, but once I got to the end of the interview and it was always in the first interview, I told them the Mm -hmm. interest went away. And then in some cases it got to a second, third or fourth interview. And then, uh, I didn't get it for one reason or another. It could mm-hmm. be, it could have been my background either, but uh, it just became obvious to me that what, what I wanted to do with text was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And in that period of time uh, from 16, 17 into 18, the industry had changed dramatically Regulation regulations that had sim- that before had been in discussion now became applicable by, by regulation, right? So it became more and more clear to me that TechSmarter was needed, and that it was a, that it was a very big and viable business. So I started from scratch. I negotiated a single developer, and he and I did the work, and then we brought in another one, and then we slowly built a team. Mm. of people who were who were good enough human beings and had enough faith in me as a human being to to believe in in my vision and and the things that I knew and you know now I sit back and and please don't take this as arrogance but this is genuinely how I feel I don't think there's anybody in the world that understands compliance and the be part of the of that business mm. that that I'm in I don't think there's anybody that understands it better than I do. And when we talk to people and you know, we, we did a great deal of product validation, a great deal of market validation, we interviewed over six professionals all over the world. Mm. And we've built what they told us they wanted mm. in an amalgamated sense. So uh, now, it's, now it's interesting. Uh, we're, we expected to install our first customer last month. Uh, COVID has definitely slowed things down,
2: Mm. but
0: what we've done is we decided as this thing began and and I sent everybody from the company, I asked them to stop taking meetings about 10 days before California shut down. Mm. So give or take the 5th of March, we shut everything down and, uh, we decided to go whole hog into continuing our development and so now we're doing that and continuing to work towards some of the some of the other initiatives that we have and it's it's been very flattering because the response we've gotten even as a very small company without a customer we've talked to and had interest from some of the largest financial organizations in the world hmm. and one one of them who i can't mention but they are one of the five largest financial institutions in the world has been piloting our service since before Christmas. Oh,
2: That's
0: exciting. That's and cool. they're very happy with it.
1: Cool. So now for to say now, because now we've gone to the past, we've, we've talked about the present, So Now, where do you think in the next six months to a year, where do you see things going or how do you see things going? If you had a crystal ball. <laughs>
0: well, you know, it, it's, we're at a very interesting time. When the CEO of Verizon announces on TechCrunch yesterday that mobile traffic has increased by 1,200% in the last month, mm. that's, that's a pretty good indicator. Then you say, okay, well, uh, text messaging on Verizon alone has increased by 9 billion texts a month. And that's just on Verizon. That's not counting the hundreds of other carriers there are out there. Right. Mm -hmm. And you look at just the metric of those two things and his conversation yesterday had nothing to do with what we're doing, but a 1200% increase. That's a huge exposure for every potential customer that we have. And now you've got, Nationwide insurance has moved 4,000 jobs home. Facebook expects within, one, within 10 years that half of its employees, which are some 38,000, will work from home. You, Twitter and Square, both of those are moving their entire organizations and allowing people to work at home. And the problem with home is, is that there isn't anybody there to watch you, there isn't anybody there to see what you're doing. Everything is even more, more, uh, it's not supposed to be a secret, but it is simply because of the environment. So what what happens is, is that I think you're gonna see some very significant organizations have, make the choice Mm. to work with us and install something like this, and it's it's important for us to be able to put forth a, a good story as to why it's – what why what we're doing is necessary. Hmm. The, when when – some of the people that we talk to about this, it's immediately George Orwell and Big Brother and all these other things. And I can't – I can't not – say that's correct I, I read 1984 probably in the in the in the late 70s in, in high school hmm. but, I
1: read it in high school too so there we go we both have that it was one of my more favorite books to, of the ones I had to read in high school I actually enjoyed that one so
0: I did too I did too actually it's another one that I, I reread when I was in camp hmm. but the thing about it is, is that it's not only Big Brother but we look at this as, as protection. We now live in a, in a me too world. Mm. And what has, text messaging has been the wild west. People could say anything. They could do anything. Send mm. inappropriate pictures, inappropriate statements. And it's not on a phone call. Yeah. And even though a text message is a quasi permanent record, what most people don't realize is, is that once your phone hits 10,000 text messages, it starts erasing the older one, oldest ones. Hmm. So if somebody has a situation and they take their phone to human resources, their phone can do one of two things for a situation. It can either implicate somebody or it can exonerate somebody, but either way it's, pro- it's protection. Yeah. It protects the parties that are involved. It protects the, the employer of these people, from, and it
1: protects the truth, and you know, and that's probably and, the biggest you know, thing, right?
0: Exactly. And since our messaging is real time, if I sat here and Devin, I said to you, okay, here's my here's my phone number. Send me a text message right now. I could go into our database here on my computer, and I could show you your phone number, which I don't have your mobile number. Not that it's a secret, but but I won't ask you for it now. Uh, sure. But I could show you. I could say, Devin, send me a send me a text message and we were with one of the biggest banks in the world we did a demo for them last in the, in the fourth quarter of last year mm. and this was before our product was really ready we weren't ready to sell mm. until march of this year we, we needed to make sure that we had a bulletproof service and now we're comfortable that we do mm. and we're able it's able to scale we could handle 10 15 20,000 or more employees from different organizations and we can scale it and build it into something large to give a large organization the protections that they need and for them to be able to withstand audits from organizations like FINRA and the SEC where the auditor checks to make sure that this information is archived properly. Okay
1: no but uh, that's all very interesting insightful and I, I tend to agree I don't see all everybody COVID or non-COVID aside and COVID maybe accelerated a little bit or at least temporarily, we're moving to more a a connected society to where I look, you know, and I look on how I communicate with everybody. And I I mentioned on this podcast a little bit and on other ones, I do different, I've done Miller IP Law and I do a couple other startups that I'm a part of. And engineers, I use Slack. For some clients, I use text messages for some I use a phone call, for some I use email, and it's only going. it only it continues to increase and in the way that you're going to capture that, and I'm, I'm certainly sensitive as an attorney, you know, you always laugh at why attorneys always want something in writing, and it's kind of the same thing, that that way, you know, people's memories change, you know, and recollections change as time goes on, and you yeah. say, no, I, you know, I you'll tell a client, you'll tell somebody you're talking with, or that, you'll tell them one thing, and then, you know, months or years down the road, they'll say, you never told this is what you told me, and so that's why attorneys are always so, you know, aggressive about making sure we always put it in writing, is then you can always point back to it, and say, no, remember, I can show you, this is what I said, and this is why I said it, and this is a context, so I completely get why, you know, capturing that information, and, and that's why I said preserving the truth, because people's memories aren't always the truth, that they can't always remember how things, and it's not even a slight against people, right, we just naturally, our me- memories change, and things all over time, so I think that's very interesting. I always have so many more things that I want to touch on in the podcast that I never have. We're getting towards the end of the podcast, so I'll and uh, I'll ask it. My questions are I always ask at the end of the podcast to make sure do uh, we hit on those. So my first question is: is what was the worst business decision you ever made?
0: I was in the liquidation business, and uh, a member of my family excuse me, a member of my family had a whole bunch of inventory that I knew nothing about uh, for, that they needed to get rid of. And I said I would help them. And uh, it, it cost me, I lost $50,000 that day. That mm-hmm. was, so that the lesson from that was only do what you know. Yeah. Don't go into stuff you don't know. And it or was, make
1: sure you learn the stuff before you go into it at least exactly. or make sure that you know it so if you don't know it before you dive into it become an expert on it and I think that's a good exactly. one, so. all right so don't get into so now I'm going to tweak my my second question and if hopefully you don't mind I'm going to tweak it slightly it's normally what would be if some of you're getting into a startup or a small business what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them I'm going to tweak that slightly just based on your story and say if you had someone that was dealing with you know coming out of prison or in wanting to get into startups, wanting, you know, facing some of the same things you did of applying for lots of jobs and wanting to, you know, and not, and not being successful and getting landing a job and dealing with those difficulties. One what would be the one piece if you're saying, Hey, coming out and, and, and starting restarting your life, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them as to how to get into startups or small businesses and how to build that?
0: That's a tough question because each one of those, each one of those situations are going to be re, are going to be unique. Uh what I would tell anybody is address it up front, put it up front, have you have your story. And as I, as when I met you, I told you, I I have it written out. It's sitting on the desktop of my computer and I read it. I read it because this way I know that I've given everybody the whole story Mm -hmm. and that's, what's important. You know, there isn't a right and wrong with regards to that. What Mm -hmm. there is, is what works for you. Mm. But more so than anything else, uh, own own your behavior, own own your own your things, and do your best to find something that some commonality between you and the people that you're speaking to. Right? You know, it used to be really easy when I was in corporate sales in my 20s and 30s. You go into somebody's office, and you know, as I, as you may have known, i I've had, I've had a baseball in my hand since we. have been doing this and you know if a guy's got a baseball in the back of his office or a football or a picture of his kid from pop warner or or hockey or whatever Mm -hmm. those things are easy right or if he has a model car you don't have that anymore because you've got more things are done on video and more things are done on the phone but a little bit of research you can figure out what that person's into and find some commonality find something you know, it's, it's interesting too, because as I interviewed people, we've, I found that a lot of people have good friends or family that have been incarcerated. Mm. And that was a really interesting and very unexpected turn of events in this process for me. But, you know, my, one of my good friends said to me, you need to go back into Tech smarter. that's your destiny. Mm. It, it, there's a reason the universe is speaking to you. And I believe that at times the, the, the universe does. You know there's a there's an old saying called feather brick truck. And sometimes we have to listen to the universe and if you don't then you feel a little itch in your ear because the feather is tickling your ear. Mm. And if you still don't pay attention the next time the next time you get a sign you can get hit with a brick. It's not going to kill you. It's going to sting. And if you still don't pay attention the next time you could get hit by a truck, that might kill you or might hurt you for a long time. But basically the, the, the moral of the story is listen to the universe.
2: Hmm.
0: And I did. And, you know, I, I, I told you earlier, I was talking to Kimberly yesterday and I told her, you know, I'm, I've been on phone calls at six o'clock in the morning and I've been on phone calls at midnight lately. Since this COVID thing happened, I don't know that I've taken a full day off since the beginning of March, but on the flip side, this is everything I asked for. This is what you and I were talking about before you started recording. This is everything I asked for. And the fact that it's that, that we're having these opportunities and speaking to people that we're speaking to, it's, it. It has to do with the fact that I'm a part of a great team. Hmm.
1: No, I, I mean think that is a ton of good advice. Everything from you know making it part of your story, being upfront with it. You know, I could take it as listen to your friends if they are pushing in a direction, or if you have a feather in your ear, let's get or follow that that passion or where or the universe is pushing you to. And a lot of a lot of great uh, thoughts on that. So as we wrap things up, and uh, you know, want to give you an opportunity if people want to reach, reach out. Get connected, whether it's through TechSmarter or have any questions or follow up or any way you get connected with you. What's the best way for them to connect up and find out more?
0: Uh, They can send an email to me. It's just my name. It's Nuri at TechSmarter.com. And I'm happy to talk to anybody. And and, uh, as I said to you when you and I spoke last week, Hmm. one of the things that's important to me is that I didn't have resources as I got prepared to go to prison. I didn't have anybody to talk to. I didn't know what to expect, and thankfully, about a week before I went in, my brother it, it found out that a friend of his from the East Coast had been incarcerated,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: I talked, his name was Jim, and Jim helped me a lot, but I, I dealt with six months of, of having no information and living in fear, and it's, it's, it's something that people are afraid of, and, and I'll tell you this. If you are going to a camp or you're going to a low-security facility, Then, what you see on television is not anything close to what it is. So, Mm -hmm. if somebody wants to reach out with regards to that or anything else, um, the other thing that we're doing that's very different, um, and I didn't bring this up before, is as we grow, eventually, an undetermined percentage of people that work for TechSmarter will be people that are out on probation and that have that. We wanna provide a way for people to come back into society, learn a new skill so they don't have recidivism and they go don't go back. You know, this, the hardest part is you, like 70% of people who, who are incarcerated mm. go back. And those numbers are heartbreaking. And if we can affect one life or two lives or 10, whatever it is, then we've made the world a little bit of a better place. And if we can teach them something, provide them with a job for two or three years and then they can move on to something else and we can bring in new people who, who can learn from us and we can teach them. And the fact that the CEO of the company spent time in prison, they're, you know, they're going to see it differently, but they're also going to understand that I'm, and that I'm going to understand where they Mm -hmm. come from, what they saw.
1: No, I, I, on both of those. I think that, first of all, that's a, that's a cool mission. I think that there's certainly you know, people coming out, giving people a purpose, and, and even with, whether it's from prison or, or otherwise, giving people a purpose, giving people a path forward, ability to grow and to overcome whatever, the, you know, whatever their scarlet is, whatever their background is, whatever they're dealing with in life, whether it's any of those, and I think that to take that as a mission both in order to help those people coming out of prison, given your, your story and your, and your experience and your journey, I think is great. And also giving the offer hey, if people are wanting to know more or they're going to be going into prison or knowing what to deal with and how to deal with that or coming out. I think it's great that you're offering that as a resource in addition to TechSmarter and the company you're building in that. So on all of that, uh, very much appreciated. And that, that's a great offer. Why well, I appreciate you coming on is I always get to the end of these. And I think I almost say it every time, but it's, it's true. This one, nonetheless, but there's so many more fun things that we could talk on dive in deeper in that. And I always run out of time. And so we'll have to have you on another time and uh, see how your story goes. And as you continue to ramp up and come out of COVID and things continue to grow and build and all of those great things, it'd be fun to have you on again. So. Thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure um, for those of you that are interested in being a guest on the inventive journey. We always love to hear everybody's inventive journey and their story for the startups and small businesses um, and how they go about that. You can reach out and apply for the podcast at inventivejourney.com and you can uh, if you want if you ever need any help with uh, patents and trademarks, um, I'm here to, to help startups and small businesses at Miller IP law. Thank you again Yuri, for coming on. It was a pleasure. It was fun to talk with you and I appreciate you sharing your journey.
0: Thanks, Devin.